0: Steelers fans, maybe you got that loss out of the system. Who am I kidding? There's no way you did. But we got to talk about different things and how they can pick it up and move forward. There was a lot of talk about that, not just from the Steelers themselves as we talked to both Minka Fitzpatrick and Chase Claypool, but also from former Steelers Ryan Clark and Chris Hoke who were sounding off about the Steelers problems, calling them soft and they're not wrong. We'll talk about the Steelers' issues, what they've done, and more about Mike Tomlin and what he's been doing and what are the real criticisms for him as far as what are the fake ones that people just keep throwing out there. And then finally, get right back to that run defense, talking about specific things we can we can see better there. Joining me, of course, is Josh Taylor from 93.7 The Fan. He's been a regular on the, on the show. We love to have him as, as much as we can. We're happy to have him here on Locked on Steelers Podcast. We thank you for making us your first listen every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are free and available on all podcasting platforms. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your
1: team every day.
0: And welcome back to the Locked On Steelers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things in the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and YouTube. Hit the like on this button if you're watching on this uh, this YouTube. Also, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. It really helps us out. If you're loving the show, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a positive comment. That also helps out, and you get a special shout-out at the end of the show. Joining me, a guy who's been on this show multiple times, the man himself, Josh Taylor. You've seen him on, on KDKA here in Pittsburgh, 93.7 The Fan. All the things, and you've also seen him here. Josh, how you been, my man? I'm
1: good, man. It's good to talk to you, especially after a, a such a, a down and, and infuriating and depressing day. It's good to finally have a, a, a fun little avenue to to walk down for, even if it's just for an hour or so. It's It's good to talk to you.
0: Same here, same here, Uh, and yeah, it, it was not a it was not a place that many, most Steelers fans wanted to be afterwards because they were like, man, this is rough. It's tough to listen to the hard things, but that's what we try to do here on Locked On Steelers. You know, you don't want to go to ESPN because you know they're going to be talking bad about your team. You don't want to turn on the wrong person because you know they're going to talk bad about your team. And I'll give you the straight the straight facts here. I'll talk about what's what's actually wrong, but. I'm gonna do it in a way that will not like crush your souls and make you want to just be like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna listen to the new Taylor Swift album. Um, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that if anyone does, not, that's at, all. not at all. Not <laughs> at But, anyways, Josh, let's get into some of the comments that have been made. So, first off, first off, um you have former Steelers calling them out, and and they're not wrong in doing so, right? Uh, you have Chris Hoke, uh, former Steeler talking about calling him soft, talking about you know it's an embarrassment. Then you have Ryan Clark probably giving the most incendiary comments on ESPN uh, Monday morning, just saying that the physicality is not there, talking about how this team is all about fun, doesn't want to actually perform, doesn't want to actually be about football. Being a Steeler isn't about fun. Um, I, I, we'll get to that part in a bit. But he, he they both of them hit at the tone of soft and not being physical enough, and that being the problem in these games. And then you had come out, uh, Chase Claypool and Minka Fitzpatrick, with the two Steelers are given to, uh, for us to availabilities. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick talking about when asked, "Hey, you know, Minka, what do you guys need to do?" And he says, "We got to take more reps in practice. You know, we have to be faster in our walkthroughs, things like that." And he said, "Yeah, we do have to address things as leaders on on the on the team." Uh, when Chase Claypool was asked, and he said, "Hey, we have a lot to work on." And I, I do want to preface this with this because I'm sure most people have heard this comment by now. But he, but when asked, he said, "One thing we could do, I think, is like I'd like to, you know, for us to play more music during practice, and because that might liven things up and get people going a little bit more." People, of course, went to flames with that. It was just, that was just a rough spot. Everyone was just pew, pew, pew. It's like, oh, Chase Claypool. And I agree. It was that it was Chase Claypool needed to read the room and not say that. But I also don't think it was a matter of, oh, that's what needs to be done to fix the situation. I think it was just uh, hey, I'd like to add this at practice. But still, there's that sense of. You know, the Chase Claypool, the, you know, with Juju Smith-Schuster, as they once said last year, oh, they don't care enough. They're more about their brands. Meanwhile, Juju has nothing to do with this team losing this year. He's been out for most of the season because of an injury. Um, you know, but Mika Fitzpatrick addressing the tone of, hey, yeah, we do got these things to fix. Josh, I wanted to get your read on this. Is, is this really a bigger culture problem for the Steelers, or is this more about this, the fact that they have certain talents on the team and certain talents not on the team?
1: Well it, it's interesting because when we're talking about teams having certain problems and whether it's on the field or off the field it always seems like the on the field mm-hmm. stuff if that's not going well it always amplifies the off the field stuff because if you're winning a lot of those problems that are off the field they they don't tend to be an issue they they don't they're not worried about those things if you're not playing well mm-hmm. all of a sudden if you're playing if you're not playing well well these, these must be the issue no maybe mm-hmm. it's just the fact that they're not playing well Sometimes those things are independent of other things. I like to say this all the time. I might have a terrible day at work, but it doesn't mean I'm having a terrible time at home. It's it's not the same thing. Those things do not always equate. And another thing that bothers me, I hate the thing where people talk about the lack of results and equate it with a lack of effort. I I can't stand that. Oh, well, they they obviously don't want to win. I'm like, not wanting to win and not being able to win are not the same thing. I want to earn seven figures. (laughs) I might not be able to earn seven figures with the current career path that I have. Things could change tomorrow, but for at the (laughs) current moment, I'm not capable of earning seven million with the current career path that I have and the part-time schedule that I work. So it's just not that that's just not possible. You know, and you you try to sort all this stuff out. But with this particular group, I had a problem with one of the things Ryan Clark said Mm -hmm. when he talked about the physicality not being there in the standard that's in front of this group with all the guys from years past. You can't deny any of that because thats that's been this team and this particular unit, this defense's identity, for five decades. So you right. can't throw that away. You can't discredit it. But when you tell me, oh, they're about trying to have fun, dancing, making videos and stuff, the guy that's the main lightning rod of that criticism is not on this team right now, and he's out for the season. So why are we trying to attribute that to the defense when we know no one on the defense has been associated with that ever at any time? So why are we going for the low-hanging fruit when you were doing okay with the most obvious thing? It's okay to stick with the elephant in the room. Sometimes the elephant in the room is enough. There's a reason why it's the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. The lack of physicality, the lack of identity, I would add to it. Because what is this defense's identity right now? And more importantly, how do they try to even reshape it with the losses that they've had? You know, when you're not playing full games, When you don't have T.J. Watt, you don't have Micah Fitzpatrick, you don't have Joe Hayden like they did against the the Chargers. And we're wondering why we're seeing the results we saw. There's a reason why they gave up nearly 400 yards passing against the Chargers. You don't have your best pass rusher. You don't have your best cover guy. And you don't have the guy in the back that makes a lot of the coverage calls and it gets everything situated and might be your best playmaker on the back end. What did you think was going to happen? I I ask this question so many times to people when they're like, well, I can't believe this happened. And my answer is, what were your expectations? What did you think was really going to happen, given the circumstances in front of you? And then people tell you, oh, well, you can't make excuses. This is the NFL. Um, hi, there are terrible teams in the league every year. Yeah, There's a good dozen teams that you would figure, compared to the rest of them, have no business being on the field, and they're getting paid all the same, too. So, yeah, you can sit there and say, oh, you can't make excuses in the NFL. Meanwhile, there's bad teams losing every week.
0: Uh, but, every week, every year, there's, there's always right. someone bad. And, and and teams that bounce back from it. I mean, look at the Rams. Right. The Rams, not to you know, they went from Super Bowl contender to joke, uh, you know, very quickly, and then now they're back to one of the teams that people are putting in the top ten of the power rankings, you know, week in and week out. You know, it, things like this happen. You know, like, uh, they they do, and it and again, no one's trying to make excuses. It's like the fact is they lost. They got their butts kicked. The Bengals are a better football team right now. That's the bottom line to that. But when you look at it, and people start to say, okay, how do you start addressing it? You have to be realistic. You know, people want to say, oh, it's this, it's this culture thing. No, no, no. Look on the field. Look right there and see. What with the problem is is the fact is when you got to put Henry Mondo and in, 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 uh, you know, as a starting as a starting defensive lineman there's a problem there when Cam Hayward has to be your nose tackle there's a problem there when you know when you're when you're playing when Devin Bush is being slow to the ball there's a problem there and those are issues that they have to address and you know if you want to say oh well practice is the problem I mean maybe part of it is some of these guys aren't available during the week because they're hurt and they're banged up and it's just a long season heck and they made it longer this year um uh, but There's a a lot of issues here, but I do think there are real questions of leadership on the team because this is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, this team's old. I'm like, it's not that old, actually. You know, there's old players on it, but this is a younger roster. That's part of the issue is that a lot of these guys are younger and still figuring their way through the NFL. But I want to talk to Josh about leadership in just a sec here from both a player standpoint and a coach's standpoint. We'll do that in just a minute. But first, I got to tell you guys about beach bound in life. We're all bound for different things. With BeachBound.com, vacations, you could be bound for adventure and bound for passion, bound for discovery or bound for togetherness, bound for immersion or bound for rejuvenation, or maybe bound for just encountering the unexpected. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, I'm I'm bound to end up at the poolside bar, maybe creating my own taco fly, getting some good drinks. But as long as I've got that good view and a good drink in my hand, I'll be happy as I can be. With BeachBound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you no matter what you're looking for. What are you bound for? To find out, visit BeachBound.com today. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast, I'm Chris Carter here with Josh Taylor. We thank you for making us your first listen every day here in the Locked On Podcast Network, continue to talk about your Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, uh, one aspect of this is leadership, and I I was in both the zooms for both Minka Fitzpatrick and both Chase Claypool, and I asked them about leadership and who's stepping up to address things. Now, Chase Claypool said, "Hey, you know, uh, we we're gonna talk. We're having a team meeting, you know, right after this zoom, and then that's when we'll start to." All, all hash out what we got to do to moving forward. But you know, we asked Minka Fitzpatrick. You know, what's what's the sense here? Like, you know, do you TJ Cam? Do you guys talk about stuff? He's like, we talk about stuff. Minka said, you know, as soon as he got as soon as he got off the plane, you know, when he was back in Pittsburgh, he went right to his house and just started watching the tape, the game over and over and over again, just to just to see like we got to do this, we got to do that. In the past, when the Steelers have had great teams, they've had great leaders. James Ferrier, you know, was a guy that would set the tone. Casey Hampton was a tone setter. You know, I still, I'll never forget Lamar Woodley being happy with a sack that he had and Casey, and he's celebrating it. And Casey Hampton says, You don't want to be good. You want to be great. You think you've done enough today and pushing Lamar Woodley to be better and better and better. Those are the things that, you know, that were part of those great teams. The Steelers, despite public opinion, have some of those guys on the roster cam hayward is absolutely one of those guys um but i think the problem is there's very few of those guys that are longtime veterans like a casey hampton was then like James harrison and troy polamalu were in the late 2000s this is a younger team and we knew that this was going to be part of the problem a lot of the guys that are stepping up and learning to become leaders right now tj watt phenomenal player still learning how to be the leader how to be the voice in the room how to be the guy that says it stops with with me right here guys Benkevich Patrick, I think he's what twenty four years old. TJ's twenty five years old. You know these guys are these guys are, are older guys. The offensive line, you don't have Marquise Pouncey or David DeCastro in the room anymore. The only other the only guys that the elder statesmen who kind of set that tone are Cam and Ben. And Ben hasn't been that guy that that you know that that, that grips people up and says we got to do this right now. As much as he is on the field, he can make some adjustments and make things go for the offense. Um, but what's your take on the leadership and who has to step up? to say hey guys this this is where things change we if we're going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers if we're going to be this organization that is revered across all of sports and we're not going to let us fall into the pit of despair this has to happen who are those guys for you Josh it really comes down to
1: the same three or four guys that you mentioned i mean cam hayward in my estimation and this has been this has been like this for a while cam hayward is not only the most you know apt to be a leader on this team he's also the most accountable no one on this team holds themselves more accountable on a day-to-day week-to-week game-to-game basis like Cam Hayward does no one does and they need more guys that are willing to be that kind of accountable i think i think tj watt is on his way to being one of those guys that's accountable day-to-day week-to-week game-to-game tj's moving on that path and i think mm-hmm. the fact that he has cam there to learn from and you could tell just by how they interact those two they're on the same page a lot. You can tell right. they feed off of each other, the chemistry that they have. And I think they share that same kind of mindset. But the problem is you got to get everybody else there on that mindset. And it does not help when you don't have a Stefan to it. It does not help when you don't have a Tyson Waller because my answer would be those guys. When you lose David DeCastro weeks before training camp, the answer would be that guy. So the guys that should be your veteran leaders that now are no longer there, it makes it more complicated. I'd make the argument Joe Hayden's one of those guys mm-hmm. that should be able, and given how long his career has been and the respect that he has in that room, and they haven't had Joe Hayden the last couple of weeks. So yeah. have, not having him on the field makes that more complicated. But that would be my answer. But now I'm running out of veteran guys. I'm running out of guys over mm-hmm. the age of 30 because mm-hmm. this, this team is so young and inexperienced. And you know people don't want to believe it because they're still – you look at Ben and Cam and they well, go everybody's that age. No, those are the two elder those statesmen the, that, that's it. on your team. And I'd slide Joe Hayden in there maybe a couple years behind those two. But that's pretty much it. So it does mm-hmm. come down to if you don't have guys that can lead with experience there, what's the other option? Deontay Johnson's a guy that comes to mind just by leading by example, by going out and doing his job. Right. That might be a guy. Because Deontay's what, in his third year? I mean, yeah. Deontay hasn't been here that long. But if you have the guy that can go out and do his job and do everything that's asked of him, he could be a guy that you feed off of. Now, this is going to sound strange, but there's two other guys that at least go out and do the job and do the work that if nothing else, they can lead by example. Najee Harris and Pratt Fryermuth. they just go out and do the job. They go out and do the work. If nothing else, if you're a young guy, you might not be able to lead vocally. But if you can lead by example and go out and do the work that's expected of you, that's necessary, that's something else guys are going to feed off of. And the one reason why why Ryan Clark's comments resonated with me, the one thing I did actually appreciate when he talked about the lack of physicality, I have not seen that guy who will go make one play or will go make one hit that gets everybody else into it. Mm-hmm. You could count on Vince Williams to do that. Mm-hmm. Vince Williams might get you a hit here and there that gets people into it. Mike Mitchell might get you a hit or two that got people into it. Ryan Clark during his playing days might give you a hit in the backfield that might, or in the defensive backfield that might get guys more into it. They don't even have that guy. Well, you don't have a guy who might be that impact kind of player to make that kind of tough hit when the time comes or make that tough stop when the time comes. That makes it complicated, and I'd make the case they lost that guy in free agency because that guy might have been Mike Hilton. Because Mike Hilton was a playmaker that could make plays as far as turnovers that could make a hit here and there that might be a big stop. Either we saw him make an, an impact
0: quarter. in the game when he picked six he made Ben an impact
1: for the Bengals. It, you see where I'm going with this, Chris. How many times did I tweet over the course of Mike Hilton's time as a Steeler, Mike Hilton, playmaker?
0: Yeah, that, that, was, that was like that was time. like your thing. Like on Twitter, he would make a play. My, I mean, I remember Mike Hilton when he first got to the Steelers. He, it was like that dude makes a difference. And, and yes. I, I I agreed that letting Steven Nelson go was a good move. And people who were like, oh, you're missing him. Like, not really. Look at his numbers with the Eagles. He's not doing that well. He's actually it was very comparative. Comparable to James Pierre's production this 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 year, but Mike Hilton is the different story. It's like if you had him in the slot, you wouldn't be needing to play Arthur Mollette. You'd be allowing you'd be allowing Cam Sutton and Joe Hayden to live on the outside, um, and there wouldn't be nearly as many switches you needed. And again, I think you'd be okay, you know, with with more of your sub packages because of the way Mike played. So I mean, if that's your one thing, fine. Yeah, but they also didn't want to commit long term because he was looking for a long term deal to stay with Pittsburgh, and they're like, listen, we gotta pay TJ, we gotta pay Minka. Uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of different things coming up that we're gonna have to figure out. We might have to pay a pay a big quarterback, so slot corner might not take the priority, and I I, I, I kind of get that. So that's not the bottom line, but but right for me, you know, back to the leadership, the, the playmaking thing that, you, that that you talked about there. I I look at the. You know the. I, I look at the, the roster and I see like you know you're talking about those type of guys that'll step out step out of themselves, make a big play. Cam Sutton was trying to do that in the Chargers game. He had a he had a, several big hits, led the team in tackles, had a huge interception, and you know, in the was- Buffalo
1: game. And, and the Buffalo he
0: was—he's—he's he's becoming one of those guys. But you're right. There's a difference between role players and guys who, uh, who who lead by example, you know, versus guys who are the tone setters and the and the guys who voice things out. You know, there's there's those there's there's you have to have both on teams. Guys that set the trend that everyone follows, and guys that set the trend that everyone listens to. And and you know, I, I think a perfect example. I remember. In fact, against the Bengals, um, it was uh, it was the game where Juju Smith-Schuster knocked out Vontez Perfect. And, um, you know, after he knocks Perfect out, I think he had another really great block later on, and Juju was, like, celebrating. And he was and, – and, and like, to the point where it was getting to be too much. Like, like an init- initial celebration, okay, but there was one play where he was taking it too far. David DeCastro gets right up on his face, grips him up, and you can't tell what he says, but you can tell what he says because he gets him real close, and then he throws him. And then Juju doesn't fight back. He's like, Gets right back in the huddle, shuts up, makes a catch, and keeps making plays for you. That's the leadership that I think that they need more of is veteran guys who can cut the nonsense. Like with Chase Claypool, as soon as he pulled that face mask, mask, there should have been someone right on him. Hey, buddy, I don't care what they say, what they do, you don't do that because now you just cost us 15 yards and you endangered that player over there. Like there's, there's all sorts of things that you got that you got to check into. And that's where I see like, Hey, they need more of these guys to step up. And it's one of those things where you talk about some guy, sometimes guys are asked to mature, mature too quickly, but maybe they need those guys right now. And especially TJ Minka. I think Deontay's more of a a lead by example type of guy. I don't see him being the, the fire him up type of dude that, 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 that talks the smack. Um, but you know, but you need, but the, I think the problem is, you know, I think Najee can be that fire up guy. Pat might be that fire up guy. But again, they're rookies. You're not asking them to do that right now, and that may be just a realistic problem with these rosters. They just don't have the guys on the X's and O's on, on, on the you know on the roster point part as far as talent wise to complete everything. But they also just might have a situation where there's a lot of guys learning how to be an NFL player on top of being an NFL leader.
1: That might be the byproduct, and this is something that probably doesn't get noticed a lot. This might be the byproduct of a lot of guys in that first or second year being thrust to such important thrust into mm-hmm. such important roles. Because I have to remind people of this from time to time. One of the big hooks with this organization for so long, dating back to Bill Coward and into the Mike Tomlin era, is that when this team drafted and brought guys in, you normally didn't start right away. You usually sat behind somebody else. Maybe you played special teams. You probably sat a year, too. Remember, Troy Polamalu did not start his first year. Hines Mm -hmm. Ward did not start his first year. Joey Mm -hmm. Porter did not start his first year. Neither did James Harrison. A lot of those guys. Jason Gilton didn't even start his first year. He sat behind Kevin Green and Greg Lloyd. A lot of those guys, especially that line of outside linebackers for a good decade and a half, those guys sat, they watched, they learned, and, and they listened to the instruction of the guys ahead of them. Because the guys ahead of them had been there for a while and they had been through that same process. They had been through that same map. I remember working with Ike Taylor, you know, yeah. maybe six, seven years ago. And he used to always talk about how the way those guys operated, he said, you know, we didn't have time to worry about ourselves. We were so worried about everybody else because we knew if we didn't do things right or if we did something stupid and made a dumb mistake, you were worried about the other 10 guys are ready to kick your butt when you came back to the huddle or they were ready to kick your butt when you got back to the locker room. He's like, we didn't have time to worry about that stuff because you didn't want the other guys being down your throat. They just didn't play all that. But all those guys had gone through the same thing. They had all gone through the same process. Most of them had sat and watched and learned and actually had the instruction of the guys in front of them. But now when you have a rookie like Najee Harris, a rookie like Pat Fryer, a rookie like Dan Moore Jr., a rookie like Kendra Green, you have four rookies starting on the offense. Yeah. You don't have enough space for guys that can actually, you know, try to rein other guys in. Not to mention the fact you got other new faces all over the offense. Deontay Johnson, like we mentioned, is only a few years in. This whole receiving core is young. Juju They're included. New They're all newer or younger guys. There isn't as much of a veteran presence of that guy that can take somebody by the, by the shirt collar and say, "Hey, what is going on? Get this together." And I'm glad you brought up David DeCastro because they were getting ready to come into this season in training camp expecting to have David DeCastro both on a roster standpoint and from a leadership standpoint. So they lost both of those elements, and that affects this team in different ways. That's probably a guy that gets put on that list as far as leaders go, and you lost him and you don't have him. And you had other opportunities to maybe have guys like Stefan Tewin and Tyson, Tyson Alualu step into that role. But they're not on the field now, so you lose that element. And it's just its one of those bad snowball effects that guys who probably should – have those opportunities are not there right now and then you lose that also.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of different questions there. But of course, when you talk about leadership, eventually it comes back to Mike Tomlin. And a lot of people want to talk about that. We're going to talk about Mike Tomlin in just a minute here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. But first, I gotta remind you guys about our great sponsor, BetOnline.ag. Betonline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. Betonline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and you'll receive a fifty 50- welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked On, all capital letters, all one word, and you'll receive that 50 percent welcome bonus. They also have fo- basketball, football, and NHL, uh, boxing, UFC, right down to your va- favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online, where the game starts. <music> Wrapping things up here on the locked on Steelers podcast and Chris Carter with Josh Taylor. We thank you for making us your first listen every day as we are free and available on all podcast platforms. Josh, let's, let's take a step back to Mike Tomlin. I wanted to look at the run defense, but you know, we're on a roll with the leadership t- aspect of this. We'll get to the run defense later in the week. Uh, plus we kind of addressed it with the soft physicality. And this will we, we, we got that a little bit there, but when it comes to Mike Tom, and a lot of people are pointing it to the lack of leadership As oh, he's a player's coach. And Oh, he doesn't push his players and he doesn't want them to practice hard. And, I I, and I said this yesterday during during uh, during the the post game podcast and you know and, and everything there and I was like listen I have criticisms for Mike Tomlin I think that you know if you wanted to blame and say hey you know what they could have constructed this roster better they could have put more veterans here or there sure fine go right ahead you know that, that that's right. but there's a lot of people that want to say oh man this this stinks about him and they they create this list of a thousand things that Mike Tomlin has done wrong in his career that doesn't exist they're like you know fake accusations things that don't actually add up it's like well that's not on him and that's not on him and that's not on him so now when we talk about this one thing that is added on to him that you do blame him for you're trying to say oh that's the 20th thing that i've complained about it's like well okay maybe this is legitimate but all these other things You've said weren't, and to me, the the Steelers lack of leadership on on the you know, with with young guys coming up. That's a roster situation. What we just said, it's just a matter of you know what they had to replenish guys at different times, and you didn't expect you know one. I'm pretty sure they didn't expect that last year to be Marquis Pouncey's last season until they saw how bad he was playing. They didn't expect David DeCastro to not be able to be back this year. You know that that situation. Those are two leaders that they'd be the guys that would set the tone on offense, and Kendrick Green would more so be learning how to be a guard in the NFL right now, or learning how to be a backup center in the NFL right now those are all situations that, that that jumped on him and it's just a reality of hey you know what you were limited in cap space because you still had ben roethlisberger's contract saddled to you and that's an issue there but for me and i want to get your opinion on this mike tomlin you know when people talk about firing mike tomlin i hear this every week when the steelers leave and win sometimes when they win you do too we see it all over twitter people don't understand it. you you do that and you're you're. That doesn't make everything better. Mike Tomlin isn't what holds this team back in the worst times. Oftentimes, it's bad injuries, at the wrong time, bad you know, bad mistakes by the guys in the field. But this is the first year, and it's crazy enough. They're they're five five and one. They're literally five hundred right now. But this is the first year that people are starting to feel like, man, may, maybe this isn't it. Maybe this is the bad year. Maybe this is the one losing season that he's had in his entire career, and that seems to be enough for some people who have been waiting for fifteen years to say, I want him gone. It's
1: funny. I have a list of favorite criticisms now that make absolutely no sense. And it just keep getting added to every week. Um, my new favorite criticism that makes no sense is about Mike Tomlin's coaching tree or the lack thereof. And I'm going, all right, why does that matter? Um, but here's the thing that 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 I look at and I'm sitting to have to remind people, like, this is not what you think it is. Um, I keep hearing that Mike Tomlin isn't vocal enough and he should be a little bit more of a disciplinarian and he should be more in guys' faces and and things like that. Well, this is something I like to remind people of, especially since we're on the topic of coaching trees. Mike Tomlin broke into the league under Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy wrote a book called Quiet Strength, pretty much mm-hmm. explaining his entire career and his path and how he you know, got into the career path that he did and the things that were important to him and helped him have the success that he had. And he talked about how he was able to become a leader that didn't have to yell and scream and didn't have to curse the guys. Tony Dungy is notorious for not even using one curse word. He's a guy who just believes in he believes in what he believes in and being in, in living a certain kind of way. But he attributed, you know, the kind of style that he used as a coach. He attributed part of that to, of all people, Chuck Noll. Mm-hmm. He said Chuck Noll had a way of actually. Being a, a a quiet guiding hand, without sometimes not having to make a lot of noise, and being a steady, calm force. He said that's some of the some of the stuff that he picked up. Because remember, not only did he play for Chuck Knoll, he coached under Chuck Knoll. Guys,
0: so you want to talk about you.
1: coaching trees? Mike Tomlin, technically under Tony Dungy, is under Chuck Knoll. So yeah. you know, I'm, I'm hearing brains exploding right now as I say that when, when I listen this back. But I say all that to say this: Mike Tomlin knows exactly how to motivate players without having to do or say too much. He knows how to motivate guys without having to really exploit it. And more importantly, he knows how to do it without doing it publicly. There are right. so many different instances where everybody's like, well, why isn't Tom saying anything think about this? I'm like, just because you're not hearing it in front of the media, doesn't mean it's not happening behind closed doors. We're not allowed in the locker room. We're not allowed in his, in his office when players come up there. We don't know what's being said behind closed doors. But the one thing we do know, the one thing that we hear the most often, whether it's guys that have already played for him or guys that have played maybe during his tenure as a coach or guys that are playing now that are opponents of the Steelers, they tend to respect him across the board. And one of the main reasons why, and, they, and they'll tell you the way he relates to his players, the way he handles them, the way he talks to them, the way he backs them all the time, the way he doesn't you know, bash them publicly. He handles those things in-house the way he's supposed to. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because that used to be a criticism early, or I should say that was a late criticism of Bill Cowher, how he wasn't as publicly bashing dudes anymore. Maybe he started to get soft as he got older, was one of the things that I had heard. But mm-hmm. Bill Cowher got to that point where he had enough guys where they can police that locker room. He had a Jerome Bettis. He mm-hmm. had a Joey Porter. Mm-hmm. He had a James Ferrier and a Larry Foot. Those guys could police later on in the, in the tenure, but he had those guys that could police that locker room. Now that's, this might tie back to what we were talking about before, but when you have a certain coaching style that, you know, players respond to that, you know, that they have a relationship with you, that they trust you. You can't try to coach and instruct guys that don't trust you. It's hard enough to do it. And This is something I literally just heard from Duquesne uh, head basketball coach, the men's basketball coach, Keith Danbrott. He -hmm. says, sometimes it's hard to get guys to trust you when you have a relationship with them. Yep. But you can't even get in that door if you can't get them to listen to you and have a relationship with them. It's hard to coach guys who aren't really going to try to relate to you or are going to try to listen to you. But he has this way of reaching these guys, and it probably helps when it's a younger roster. I think people forget this from time to time, that coaches are human beings and have lives and families. Mm -hmm. Mike Tomlin has a couple of sons that are in their early 20s, and I believe his daughter's in her late teens, early 20s. He's got young people at home. Mm -hmm. He knows how to relate to young people because he's got children that are becoming young adults. There's a reason why he's able to reach Juju. There's a reason why he's probably able to reach Chase Claypool because his sons are close to the same age. Mm -hmm. He knows how the people of that age are wired because he deals with it on a regular basis. That's something that you can use to your advantage. Now, granted, they haven't been that age forever. Earlier in his career, he was able to reach guys because he was a younger coach. I had to remind somebody, he was hired for this job at 34 years old.
0: The youngest head coach to win a Super Bowl.
1: Mike Tomlin was so young when he broke into coaching, he coached his own college teammate as a defensive coordinator
0: mm-hmm. in
1: Minnesota. Now, we mm-hmm. won't mention that teammate's name because there's a lot attached to that. And if you know, yeah. you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But yeah, that, we're, we're talking about a situation where he broke in as a young coach. So he was able to relate to guys from the giddy-up. And then as you get older, having still connection to younger people and younger men and being able to keep that message consistent over time. And he's still only 49. He's still young by age standards. If you want to really get into it, it makes things up. You know, this is something that gets lost on people. They just assume every coach to be some old crotchety, angry, yelling guy. That's not how this works. That's not the reality of the NFL. Now, the NFL as a whole is skewing so much more towards younger coaches because they're trying to keep up with a league that's getting younger. Sports is a younger man's game across the board. You've seen that change in baseball. You're seeing it now in the NFL. You're seeing it in basketball. It, it, it there's, a bigger, there's a bigger premium. It's a bigger commodity now to be younger. So if you have people that are trying to uh, direct and lead and instruct younger people, you better be able to relate to them. Or you're not going to last long in that job because you're not going to do it very well. And that's the thing that Mike Tomlin has that I don't think many people in this town appreciate. And I think they kind of take it for granted and say, oh, well, he's too busy trying to be friends with them and being a player's coach. You go try to talk to some 20 year old kids and see mm-hmm. how they respond to you. You try mm-hmm. to come at them sideways in any old kind of way and see how they feel about it. And I'll say this as a guy who just turned 40, but I remember how I was at 20, 21, 22 years old. If you came at me sideways, I probably look at you like you were crazy mm-hmm. especially if you're from where i came from especially if you came from where you
0: came from mm-hmm. and, and, it's the and, same dynamic and, and, and josh i, I want to address this because i know this is what someone steaming is watching this is saying is just saying well what about the lack of playoff wins what about that what about the not winning a super bowl and i'm like listen buddy you know i and i i say i say this i say this a lot when i point this out I'm like first of all go back and look at those playoff losses and, and ask yourself who was missing from those games and how did that impact th- those losses? A lot of people forget that a lot of times the teams that win the playoffs aren't necessarily the best teams. They're the healthiest teams. The healthiest like that was teams. A, a big, a big factor for the Steelers in their 2005 run was that they had all the right players available that season for that big run. And that's a big reason why they took out a lot of teams when they won Bill Cowher's Super Bowl. Same thing for 2008. They had a lot of players healthy at the right times of the season and they were able to go out there and, and be good. Um, you know, but you think back to all those playoff losses, the problem, but you know, again, a, a bad head coach, which people accuse Mike Tomlin of being. If you're, you're, there's no way you're a bad head coach, and you're the fourth fastest coach in NFL history, 150 wins, and people say, well, that doesn't count because that doesn't matter about playoffs. It's like, well, how do you get to the playoffs? You win. Thank you. The games that we, you play, and no. You one gotta win games the regular games.
1: season to make the playoffs. Exactly. W- what are we talking about? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It, the, you know what I call that? I call that the Chedberg Burke factor. Mm. You know, Mitch Hedberg fans, you know what I'm talking about. There's a joke that Mitch Hedberg had. You know, he, he talks about people that just see the like the absolute wrong thing. And they'll say, Hey, Mitch, you want an apple? No, eventually it'll be a core. It's the same thing. Yeah. We're, we're trying to sit there and say regular season wins aren't important, but he's five, five, and one right now, right? Mm-hmm. And why aren't people happy? Because they're five,
0: five, and one. Right. And because they're so used to being. Six and two, seven and three in, in that range. And if and, and that and that's where people are right now. And that's the and that's the other thing here is that people are losing their minds over a team that's 500. They're right with the Browns. The Browns are this is their prime. They're supposed to be the year where the Browns are the stuff. Kevin Stefanski, coach of the year, Nick yep. Chubb, Kareem Hunt, they're back. They got an offensive line they paid for. Three first overall picks. And they're the Steelers are ahead of them in the standings. And again, I'm not saying this is where they should be. I'm saying this is a reality of, look, they're going through these tough times with these injury situations. They're going through this, and there's a bit of a transition. People have talked about, oh, they need to rebuild. I I hate to break it to you guys. They've been in a rebuild. That's why they don't it's happening right now. That's why the whole offensive line is completely new. It's why they're trying to find new young leaders that we've been talking about this whole time. The rebuild is here. But the thing is, is that the Steelers aren't tanking in the middle of their rebuild. They're competing, and they're right there in the in the playoff mix at 5-5-1, five, five, and one, a game or two back, out of being right back in the hunt. Which and they, they continue they
1: to, do. to do that over mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin's tenure. Because think of the guys that were here when Mike Tomlin first got here. and yep. Think of the guys that have come and gone. And then the new wave. That has come and gone. And now you have a a technical second wave, if you will. They have gone through the entire careers of Marquise Pouncey and David DeCastro during Mike Tomlin's tenure. And those guys came a couple years after he got here. Mm -hmm. And now they have come and gone. And we're trying to figure out how this team does this. They've been doing this the entire time. They have had players that were seasoned veterans leave have guys come in trying to assume those roles replace them and still try to be competitive in the process i keep hearing the whole mike tomlin one with bill cowher's players thing that 2018 that went to the super bowl did not have a lot of bill cowher guys on it that 2010 team that lost the super bowl to the packers the only bill cowher guy i believe there was like two left that were ben roethlisberger and heath miller that's pretty much it the rest of those guys are mike tomlin guys well, including true, true the Paul center mark Troy he was, was yes around, yeah. i forgot about troy that that's pretty much it. That's that's the that's the main group of it. Now you could also make the case we're talking about guys be missing his center that he had drafted, Marquise Pounce, he didn't play the Super Bowl. Doug Lagarski had to start that game. There's mm-hmm. that too, but that's beside the point. We're we're talking about a team that has constantly had to try to change itself over while still contend at the same time. And that is not easy. If anything, and this is another this is where the whole fire the coach thing when things don't go right argument falls flat on its face. Because continuity is the one thing that's actually dictated some level of success in the NFL. Think about the teams that are probably in the top tier as far as the more talented teams. What do they have? Coaching stability. New England has coaching stability. Kansas City has coaching stability. Now, Seattle is probably not a good example because they're not doing too well right now. You lose your quarterback and things are going to go south. But they have coaching stability. The mm-hmm. stability at that position is probably the one thing that a lot of these organizations wish they had. There's that yep. big running joke about all the names you could put on the back of a Cleveland jersey They might take more than two jerseys because they keep going through head coaches. The Lions keep going through head coaches. They had a coach that went to the playoffs. They fired him. Jim they haven't been one. really good Look since they, then. Are. they got rid of Jim Caldwell way too early to bring in Matt Patricia and you saw what happened there. Now you got mm-hmm. a coach coming to talk about biting kneecaps and they haven't won a game yet. <sighs> this is why continuity is important. Because if you get rid of a coach too early and you get rid of a coach when he's actually relatively successful for reasons that make no sense whatsoever, this is what's going to happen. It's going to set your team back. It's going to set back your organization. So 15 years after the fact, being the fourth fastest to 150 games, being the youngest to win the Super Bowl and being in the position that he's had to have this team go through. Over and over again, dealing with injuries, dealing with off the field issues, dealing with personalities that didn't mesh with other guys in the room. I have to remind people, there was a time three years ago or four years ago when their starting running back, their quarterback, and their two receivers were in the four corners of the locker room Yeah, because they didn't get along. And mm-hmm. that team still won games. Do yep. you know how hard that is to do? It's very that's hard. Imp- that's almost impossible. Mm-hmm. And, I, and Chris, you know this. You walk in that room, you turn one corner, this guy's locker is here, that guy's locker is over there, this guy's locker is over here, and this guy's locker is over here. And those were the killer bees we're talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. And literally then somehow. In, opposite, uh, in each end of the room.
1: Literally went to their four corners of the room, and somehow they still made it work. And this is stuff that people have no clue about. But mm-hmm. guys who are in the room every day, we know. Right. We know what they've had to deal with. We know what they've had to work through. And we're trying to tell people this, and you're looking at us like we're crazy. This is the reality of the situation. This is not an easy thing to do every day in the NFL. And there are coaches that come and go so quickly because they can never seem to figure it out. But this is an organization that says, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna bring our coaches in young, we're gonna let them develop over time, we're gonna put good players around them and allow them to grow. They've done that three times now, where they've hired a coach. In their 30s, Chuck Knoll was 37, Bill Cowher was 34, Mike Tomlin was 34. And they put experienced older coordinators around them and coaches that have, exp- have experience working in the league, and they built good organizations around these guys. That's why they've been successful over decades, because it is a formula that works.
0: It takes time to build that formula and it takes time to stick with it, even when things don't go in or go right initially. Don't be knee-jerk reaction fans. Understand what has made this Pittsburgh Steelers the Pittsburgh Steelers. Josh, we got to roll. We way over time, but thank you so much for joining us. Let me know they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work.
1: Uh, best way social media, Josh Taylor HD. That is Facebook, that is Twitter, that is Instagram. Also, uh KDK TV, CBSN Pittsburgh. Uh, weekends well, mostly sunday mornings 937 the fan Aud- download the odyssey app you can that's the easiest way you can listen in if you miss the show in the morning use the rewind function to go and check it out
0: Absolutely. The Odyssey app is another way you can listen to the Locked On Steelers podcast as well. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can listen to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, and of course, YouTube. Watch us on YouTube. Hit the like button on this video if you liked it. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. It really helps us out. And leave us a five-star review with a positive comment on Apple Podcasts. You get a shout out at the end of the show. We're going to be back tomorrow. We're trying to get Tony Sereno. Might be a time crunch as far as schedule-wise. We'll try to get him on the show, but it's going to be fun either way. More from the Locked On Steelers podcast tomorrow.